0: AOC got caught in a huge lie and ushered us all into the left's post-truth era. This is Rob Smith Problematic. Last week, Congresswoman Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez was caught in a lie. Not just a lie, but a huge lie, a whopper. The kind of lie that probably should have ended her career. That is, if she weren't protected by a mainstream media complex designed to cover up said lie. And make it seem like anyone who questions it is, quote, denying her trauma or, quote, not believing women. You know, the left loves believing women when they're on the left. Not so much when they're on the right, you know, just ask Tara Reid. But anyway... You probably already heard about this story, but I'm going to give you the notes. Early last week, AOC did an Instagram Live where she tearfully recounted her experience during the Capitol riots on January 6th. She talked a lot about hearing banging on the door, a man asking where she was, how afraid she was, and then, and I am not at all discounting or minimizing this, I'm just going to make this clear, she shared her experience of being a sexual assault survivor. The only problem... With all of this, is that she wasn't in the Capitol building at the time. She was in a nearby office building. She got called out by Republican Congresswoman Nancy Mace, who has an office, I believe, two doors down from her in the Cannon Office House building. Which, if you've ever been to D.C., and as former Congressman Sean Duffy said on Fox News... It's a good 10-minute walk away. So what you have here is a huge lie, and it was a lie of omission, because a lie of omission is still a lie. And this is what Congresswoman Nancy Mace wrote. AOC made clear she didn't know who was at her door. Breathless attempts by media to fan fictitious news flames are dangerous. My office is two doors down. Insurrectionists never stormed our hallway. Egregious doesn't even begin to cover it. Is there anything MSM won't politicize? Of course, conservative media and those of us who like the truth seized on the fact that Nancy Mace was basically outing AOC as not having been in the Capitol after nearly an entire week of fawning leftist media sort of amplifying this lie of omission. And about Nancy Mace right quick. It was good that Nancy Mace called AOC out. But Nancy Mace, yeah, you know, she's a little, she, she, she's one of those conservatives that thinks that if she plays nice enough that the left is going to respect her or like her. This is why, you know, she she said, oh, insurrectionists and all of this other stuff. You know, this stuff, this was language that the left decided to use in regards to what happened in D.C. on January 6th in order to make it seem like just so much bigger and more dangerous and more terrifying than what actually occurred. So there are two things going on here. First of all, like I said, Nancy Mace is very new and she seized on the insurrectionist narrative of the the left when talking about the Capitol riots. She was actually trying to throw AOC a bit of cover by attacking the media in this tweet. AOC like most liars do when backed against the wall, went on a full-out assault on Mace and pretty much everyone who dared question her. If you've ever dealt with a liar that has been caught in a lie before, and let's be clear, AOC was caught in a lie, not just any lie, a lie that was designed to elevate her, to lionize her, to make it seem like she was in the thick of the Capitol uh, riots and, and she was just terrified for her lives at the moment. Of course, when you know how it works in the swamp and we you know how politics work, they use this for media, they use this for, for press coverage, they use this to, to fundraise. This is what this is all about. There is an amazing documentary on HBO and HBO Max called The Swamp, which you should really check out. Uh, Matt Gates is in this documentary. I believe it's, uh focuses on Matt Gates and Thomas Massey. And if you ever really want a real sense of how swampy DC is and how this crap really works, watch this movie. It's a quick watch. It's about two hours. You really enjoy it. AOC's back was against the wall because she had gotten caught in this lie. We know AOC lied, right? We know she wasn't in the Capitol building. And so now what she has done when her, Back is up against the wall. She lashes out, you know, people that are backed into a corner, they're going to claw and fight their way out, particularly somebody like AOC. So then on Friday, she did something that is, in my mind, unforgivable. I think it is one of the grossest things she's ever done. She made the only interview she did about this entire firestorm. You know, hashtag AOC lied was trending. Um, Alexandria Ocasio-Smollett was trending. That that was very funny. So, so this was a big thing. So she made the only interview that she gave about this entire thing, a joint interview with a congressman named Jason Crow. you probably never heard of Jason Crow. AOC has probably barely met this man before Friday afternoon. Yet, Jason Crow is an Iraq War veteran. He's gone to war. Therefore, he can be used in this moment to cover for AOC's lie. Listen to him speaking with CBS this morning. For the visual, AOC is right next to him, nodding the entire time. I want you to listen to this. Trauma, whether it's combat trauma in my instance or other types of trauma, uh, it is outside the realm of normal human experience. And that everybody is impacted, whether they know it or
1: not. And they're impacted in different ways, uh, on different timelines. And we are not good as a society at dealing with trauma.
0: So this is gross. This is reprehensible. This is disgusting. AOC has been caught in a bold-faced lie about being at the Capitol during this riot, during this attack, doing whatever you want to call it. Then she and the powers that be used an Iraq war veteran to conflate that experience with hers. So now this man has been to war. This man, I, I believe has been open about talking about his struggle with PTSD. This is unbelievable stuff, folks. If you know me, you know that I've been to war. I've been to Iraq. I've dealt with PTSD. I've been in therapy. Like I've dealt with all of that stuff. And for me, to see a veteran used in this way to basically just throw cover for AOC, because you notice he, he's using these words, Um, this is about trauma, this is about all of this other stuff. And if you Think about the conversation that was happening last week between when AOC was tweeting about things and what she was doing herself, you know, all of a sudden it became this conversation about trauma. And I had this trauma from this experience and I had this trauma from that experience. And, and so this is what's happening here. And for me as a veteran, I don't get, you know, I don't, I don't play the, the perpetual outrage machine. I'm not offended by everything, but this is, this is kind of offensive. And the fact that, that they use this veteran to, to kind of push this agenda, to throw some cover for AOC. And it leads me to believe that, honestly, the left has no use for veterans they have no use for military issues they have no use for people who have served and and who have fought for this country unless it can be used to further their political agenda and that is the truth and when you see you know somebody like this representative you know allowing himself to be used in this way and look he's on the left like he he gets the game he plays it it uh, doesn't make it any, any less gross that was it and so she gets away with this nobody talks about it anymore and it's like when you when you think about how this leftist democratic media machine works if It's like they have all realized this woman got caught in this lie, and it was a bold face lie. It was a bad lie. So she's going to do this, bring this veteran on here. They're going to talk about trauma. She's going to conflate her experience with that one, and then everybody's going to move on. That's it. The media machine moved on, and nobody is even talking about the fact that she got caught in an enormous whopper. Because we are now in the post-truth era, folks. Facts. Facts. Actual Facts. Like the distance between the Capitol building and AOC's office. 10-minute walk, guys. Don't matter anymore. What matters is how this experience made her feel. Because feelings are what are important. Trauma, heartache, how this instance and the circumstance made us feel. I don't want to minimize too much what AOC was feeling in that moment. Because if she was, you know, even if it was 10 minutes away, I'm sure that that was something that was scary for her, right? It was probably scary for anybody that was in there. But what is going on here is they're trying to conflate all of this stuff, the feelings, the trauma, and all of this stuff. And so this is what everybody experiences when Trump supporters, Republicans, conservative, whatever you want to call it, when we express our views, uh, when we come up, when we have rallies. And this is not to minimize or defend what happened in the Capitol, because it was deeply wrong. And I've said that it was wrong, and I will say it over and over and over again. But when you talk about what happened at the Capitol, look, there were 90% of people that went to D.C. on January 6th went there to peacefully protest, and 90% of those people did peacefully protest. But you don't hear about that 90%. You only hear about the 10%. And it's so skewed on the left because with the Black Lives Matter protesters, you only hear about the 90% that were peacefully protesting, and you never hear about the 10% that that were violent. You only hear about that from the conservative side. And this is what I'm talking about From the post-truth era. And when we talk about these feelings and and how feelings and emotions are what are so important on the left right now, I want you to listen to Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib speaking on Capitol Hill last week. And she was not even at the Capitol during the riots. I don't even believe she was in D.C. at the time. But listen to what she said. I have
1: LGBTQ staff. I have a beautiful Muslima that wears her hijab proudly in the halls. I have black women that are so proud to be here to serve their country, and I worry every day for their lives because of this rhetoric. I never thought that they would feel unsafe here. And so I ask my colleagues to please try not to dehumanize what's happening. This is real, and you know many of our residents From the shootings in Charlottesville to the massacre at the synagogue, all of it. All of it is led by hate rhetoric like this.
0: So you really have to unpack all of this. Really listen to the words that are being used here. Because I've told you the left is very savvy at how they use language to control. Hate rhetoric. Trauma. Unsafe. This is the language of people who don't want to be challenged. This is the behavior of mentally unstable children who roam the halls of Congress lecturing us about how we are supposed to live our lives, telling us what we are supposed to think, how we are supposed to think it, and what we are or are not supposed to say. I actually testified Before Congress and Queen AOC herself, roughly this time last year, I just got a little um, Facebook notification that said, oh, you posted this around this time last year. And it was that uh, that viral video of me testifying on Congress um, in front of AOC and and assorted other uh, leftist um, sanctimonious preaching congressmen and women. And let me tell you something. If you think the ignorance and sanctimony that you see from people like AOC and Rashida Tlaib and and all of their cronies is bad through the television, my God, wait until you see it in person. It is unbelievable. The experience of testifying in Congress is just to get lectured by these idiots who have sat and done nothing but collected taxpayer dollars for decades. It is unbelievable unbelievable. If you really want to get even more disdain for these people than you already have, go, go, go watch one of these hearings. Go, go get a pass, watch one of these hearings. It's it's unbelievable. These people preach unity and tolerance, but every disagreement is hate speech. These people have never created a job in their lives that wasn't funded with taxpayer money, but they rail against capitalism. They're supposed to be the best and brightest America has to offer, but have turned the halls of Congress into their personal therapy session. The left is in a post-truth era. The truth doesn't matter anymore. Facts don't matter. There are only feelings, trauma, microaggressions, perception, all of the isms, racism, sexism, fat phobia. Homophobia, xenophobia, all all of these things. How is America supposed to survive with these spoiled, unstable children in charge? How are we supposed to compete with China and other forces around the world who seek to dominate us when so much of our time is spent on stuff like this? And I really want you guys to think about this because I think about this stuff a lot. I really do. If we are to survive as America, and Americans, especially in the Biden era. We have to bring back truth. We have to bring back reason. We have to demand that our elected officials, our congressmen and women, act like adults. We have to trade feelings and tears for facts in order to move forward. Because if we do not, these other countries will dominate us because they see weakness and they're ready to pounce. Next up, staunch Democrat Van Jones actually worked with Republicans to help black people while Trump was in office and he is getting attacked by the left. I will tell you how and why after the break. You may or may not know who Van Jones is. Hell, maybe one day I'll, I'll get Van Jones to do an interview on this podcast. He is problematic in his own right, but he is a staunch Democrat. He is very liberal. Not leftist, mind you. Very liberal. One of one of those old school liberals that is... Uh, that is facing extinction nowadays. He is somebody that uh served under the Obama administration. He he went viral, I think. I think that he burst into tears when Trump got elected in 2016. Uh is it something about a white lash, I, you know, just just all that stuff. So he is a Democrat figure, you know, black guy cares deeply about African Americans criminal justice reform stuff like that. So Van Jones, I guess he has some project out the plug. I don't I don't know what it is. I mean, I I don't know why anybody would deal with the harpies on the view unless they had something to plug. So he was on the view. He got grilled by Sonny Hostin, who is one of the panelists. I want you to listen to what she asked him and how she asked it.
1: Now, Van, you do spend a lot of time, uh, you know, threading the middle and trying to, to unite people, but uh, there are those who really accuse you of being a political opportunist, a chameleon, so to speak, who provided a racial cover for a former disgraced, twice impeached President Trump. You said this, and I quote, Donald Trump, and I get beat up by liberals every time I say this, but I'm gonna keep saying it. He has done good stuff for the black community, Opportunity Zone stuff, black college stuff. There's a side to Donald Trump that I think he does not get enough credit for. Yet, just recently, you cried uh, on CNN when Joe Biden was elected the 46th president. um, And you said it's easier to be a parent now. Character matters now. Truth matters. You even mentioned George Floyd and said a lot of people felt they couldn't breathe. People in the black community don't trust you anymore. Mm -hmm. What what is your response?
2: Uh, Oh, well, I don't don't think that that that's true. If the entire quote I said was that that Trump has done a lot of good stuff he doesn't get credit for. And then I went on to say the reason I didn't get credit for it is because he's done all this horrific stuff, said all this horrific stuff, and it completely erases what he's done. But what happens is social media will take the clip, but they won't show the full context. And so what what I will say is this. My entire life has been about bringing people together to solve tough problems for people at the very bottom who don't have anything. I've spent 25 years fighting against the prison system. Uh, I have helped to close five abusive prisons and by working with Republicans at the local, state and federal level, and yes, including the Trump administration, I have helped to pass 18 bipartisan bills. We got 14,000 people out of the federal prison system with a first step back and more to come. We got 70,000 human beings who were suffering in jails and prisons under COVID released under compassion, released working with Republicans and Democrats.
0: So when I watched this entire exchange between Sonny Hostin and Van Jones, it, it, there was just a, a couple of things that that spoke out to me. First of all, I, I just wanted to know who on earth made Sonny Hostin the queen of black people? Who on earth... Um, decided that she was the person and, and the spokesperson for millions and millions and millions of black Americans who um, gave her that position, who, who said that it was up to, to ABC to put out that position or, or that view. So that was the biggest question to me. And my question is always, when you look at, at these you know African Americans that are in these prominent positions on the left, who gave them the keys? to the castle, so to speak, to speak for for all of black America. Uh, Nobody did. That's the point. She doesn't speak for all of black America. She may speak for black liberals, um, and and she has a platform to speak for black liberals, but we all know that blacks in America are not all liberals, are not all Democrats, are not all on the left. Um, and, And it's irritating when I see things like this. Think about Van Jones's response here. So he has to basically defend himself. And he came through with the receipts, and good for Van Jones, he's not new at this. you know. This is not his first time at the rodeo. So he had to come back with the receipts of all the ways in which he has helped African-Americans throughout the course of his career. And by the way, some of this stuff happened during the Trump administration. So he has to be put in the position. And this guy is a Democrat, mind you. This guy is a liberal. This guy is on the left, and he has to be put in this position to defend his liberal bona fides, to defend the fact— That he actually worked with a Republican administration, the Trump administration, to help black people. And he has to say all of these things just to defend himself from the left. It's actually really sad. Uh, It's really sad because it speaks to the idea, or the reality rather. The left is not really interested in things that benefit African Americans unless they can take credit for it. And that's scary. And that's sad. I've met Van a couple times. I, I was on a panel with him during uh, Senator Tim Scott, God, it's about a year ago at this time. It seems like a, it seems like a million years ago. But uh, Senator Tim Scott did a panel for Black History Month, and he wanted you know both sides of the political spectrum. So so I think it was me. Uh, Charlamagne the God was on there. Van Jones was on there. I'm trying to think back to it. I think it was the only. Uh, I think it was the only Republican. You know, I held my own as, as I tend to do. But this is somebody that took the opportunity to help African Americans. If it wasn't for him and the work of a lot of different people, the First Step Act, which I've said over and over and over again, is the most comprehensive criminal justice reform that has passed in a generation, would not have passed. Now, this did not pass under Obama. So what people like Van Jones did was they came to D.C., they worked within the system that was in power at the time to do something that benefited African Americans, and, and the first step, Act did benefit African Americans, right? Because ninety-one percent of the people that were released for convictions that were that were way, 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 way too long for nonviolent offenses were African Americans. So this is something that actually benefited the community, and he has to defend this. And why does he have to defend this? Think about this. Why does he have to defend it? He, can, he certainly doesn't have to defend the results because the results are there. He has to defend this because he did it with Trump, and not with. Obama, because they couldn't get it done under Obama. And he didn't wait until a potential, because mind you, at the time, you know it could could have gone either way. We all thought Trump was going to get another four years. That obviously didn't happen. So now we're under uh, under a Biden administration. And so he did not wait for a quote unquote acceptable administration to get this legislation passed because the lives that he was helping save could not wait. And this is what the left hates. They use people like Sonny Hostin to keep Dan Jones, and other African Americans in line. I guess they want to call it holding Van Jones's feet to the fire. I call it um, basically just doing the bidding of the DNC because they want to make it unacceptable for African Americans to work with Republicans, to be a Republican, to do anything in a bipartisan way because of that stranglehold that they want to have on African Americans that I keep telling you about. Because this stuff is not about African Americans, or uh, black people in America uh, being free, being helped and all of this stuff. This is about a control element. Because if these people, and I do believe that Van Jones actually really cares about these people, which is why he knew that his reputation was going to take a hit working with the Trump administration. He knew that and he did it anyway because he has integrity and he cares, even though he's, he's a liberal, right? So these people on the left don't really care about the empowerment of of black people. They don't really care because you could see how little they cared during the Trump administration. Because there are still people that don't know that the First Step Act passed under Trump. There are still people that don't know um, about the Opportunity Zones and about the billions of dollars that were sent to lower-income places. And were invested in those communities, not as government intervention for handouts or anything like that, but actually invested in those communities so that entrepreneurs... And businesses could thrive in these communities. They don't want people to know about that stuff. Because if too many people know about this stuff, if too many black people realize that, man, we have to work with whoever's in in the system to empower us, then they're going to lose their stranglehold on African Americans. And I'm telling you, they are just like AOC being backed into that corner. Democrats are scratching and clawing and fighting because they won this election by the skin of their teeth. And it's going to be a fight to the finish because there is a new generation of black conservatives that are coming up. I, I am one of them. You know, I'm going to talk about some of the other ones in, in the next segment here. But this is about keeping black people in line. And now listen, and to this point, now Van, you got to give it to Van. You know, He had to go toe to toe with all of these women. Now listen to this exchange. It's a very short exchange. But this is Ana Navarro. You know, I guess she used to be a Republican, but now she is one of those never-Trumpers, and now it's going to be really weird for people like Ana Navarro, because now she can't just be anti-Trump anymore, and she may have to actually espouse some conservative principles or ideas that are not going to ingratiate her to her new friends on the left. But anyway, listen to this interaction between van jones and anna navarro about candace owens
1: but you did things like take smiling pictures with candace owens who i think yes. is very hurtful okay do you not regret that do you not see that you're giving no. her legitimacy you don't regret taking pictures pic- uh, took, smiling pictures with candace owens
0: i, I mean how does that help the issue
2: Anna.
0: you're gonna have I to did. take it outside thanks to van friends. jones I, so when I listen to this interaction, my, my question is, how on earth is this unity? How is this unity by, you're going to attack this man for taking a picture with Candace Owens? So at this point, I, I, I'm not entirely sure the world that the left wants to create here. I'm not entirely sure what this unity looks like. Does it look like shaming people for taking photos with conservatives. And the thing about the Candace Owens thing, and she drives people absolutely insane, I don't think that she's ever really said or done anything that controversial. But the left despises this woman. They despise Candace Owens. They despise people like me. They despise people like uh, Kim Klasek, who I'm going to talk about in the next segment here. They despise people like this. And would rather people on the left, black liberals, not have anything to do with us. Because this is what they're afraid of. And I have no problem with, you know, I'm developing a couple of new a couple of new projects right now. I want to have this conversation with black liberals. As a matter of fact, I'm probably going to have an extended conversation with the black liberal on this very podcast. Because I really want to get into this. People on the left are afraid of people like me and, and Candace Owens. Working with people on the left, or are they afraid of people like Van Jones coming over to the right? Because if we come together for solutions that empower all of America, but particularly if we're talking about black America, if we come together with solutions that empower black America, then people on the left are really going to see. And then all of these black liberals that have been voting for Democrats their entire lives and have getting absolutely nothing, they're going to see the issues and how people can come together on issues. And that may lead to a lot of people switching teams, as I did, as Candace Owens did, as a lot of people have, you know, because we saw the truth. So that is real unity. Real unity is people coming together on both sides of the aisle, talking about facts, Coming up with solutions to the problems that plague our society. That's what we do. That's what we do to come together as Americans. But I don't think people on the left want this. They want control over their victim groups. African Americans are the biggest victim group that the left has right now. And when they attack people like Van Jones, who is one of them, mind you. He is one of them. He cried when Biden got elected. If the left will attack their own for reaching across the aisle to get things done for African Americans, that leads me to believe that they don't want any unity. They don't want to come together for solutions for America. What they want is to exert complete dominance and control over black America. And that's what this entire interaction in that segment really proved. Up next, I met Kim Klasik over the weekend. You know her from that viral ad that she made when she was running for Congress in Baltimore. And I want to give you a, a bit of a behind-the-scenes peek into the event that I met her at and a conversations that I had about the future for millennials and the GOP. So last weekend, I had a lot of fun. You know, I'm here in uh, in Florida. I'm in the Tampa Bay area, but I drove to Orlando to participate in an event for a congressional um, hopeful. His name is Willie Montague. He is running in Florida District 10 to get the Republican nomination to hopefully run against Val Demings in 2022. Now, Val Demings has had uh, a lock on that district for quite some time. You know, this is obviously a a very, very, very blue district. So he needs all the help that he can get. I was happy to give it to him. I was happy to go to Orlando and support this event. Now, Kim Klasic was the keynote speaker at this event. Now, Kim Klasic, like I said, you all know from those uh, amazing legs and the red shoes, you know, pumping through the streets of Baltimore uh, in that viral video that has got I don't know how many millions of views on Facebook, but I know that it's got about 13 million views on Twitter because I just checked. And I was able to finally meet her in person. The fun thing about doing events like this is that, you know, all of these people, you know, Kim Klasek and, and, and Candace Owens and, and Gianno Caldwell and and all of this, this sort of new generation of Republican leaders, fresh faces, talking heads, media people, whatever you want to call us, all live in different places. So it's, it's so nice to go to these events and, and connect with these people in real life. And it also, it's nice for me um, to go to events like this, because you know when I'm doing the podcasting, and I met a couple of people that listen to this podcast, and thank you all so much for listening and supporting and, and being a problematic and, and spreading the word um, to bring more problematics in. But the good thing about doing events like this is that you actually get to talk to people and you actually get to see people and you actually get to interact with them face to face and not via a screen and not you know, recording a podcast into a microphone where, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at this this beautiful view of a, a nice sunny day in Florida right now, but I'm alone. So it's nice to get out there and, and meet people. So it was really nice to meet Kim Klasick. And when she gave her speech and, you know, thinking back to this, I really wish I would have got audio of some of this, but it's okay. Now I'll, I'll talk about it with, you, you know, this podcast we're going to going to talk to each other. But when she gave her speech, there was actually, you know, there were some surprises for me. In the biggest surprise from the speech was that this is somebody, mind you, that Ad went crazy. She became a star very quickly. It's almost kind of like an overnight thing. Even with this viral ad, even with everybody talking about her running in Baltimore and people talking about Baltimore and all of this stuff, she still could not get the backing of the local GOP, which was insane to me. And then, and she says this in her speech I'm going to bust people out in the GOP because I'm not here carrying water for the GOP or for the Republican Party. They need to be checked. And there's a lot of stuff that they are not—they doing that is not right. Do you know, the head of the GOP, Ronna McDaniel, was not even going to put Kim Klasek in the RNC. Remember, if you looked at the Republican National Convention, if you watched it, she had a recorded message that played in the convention. The, the RNC was amazing. They weren't even going to put her in there. Ronna McDaniel, and, and I think that this is what Kim Klasek said in her speech. She was like, well, I don't, I don't know what a viral video means that she has to be in the RNC, blah, blah, blah. And it was President Trump that said she had better be in the RNC. So Trump had her back even more than the GOP did. And that was shocking to me. And what it leads me to believe is this. People like Kim Klesik, you know, millennials, younger people, we have to take the mantle and we have to take the power. We have to use the social media cloud and whatever we can do. I believe that she's launched a pack called, I believe it's called Red Renaissance. I think she's having the launch party or something for that this week. And so what she wants to do and what she said was actually brilliant is that we have to use this access, this clout, whatever you want to call it. We have to use all of this stuff that we have to help build up the next generation of people whether they be young black conservatives or or conservatives just in, or just younger conservatives in general, the GOP needs fresh faces, and this just isn't about race, and this isn't about identity politics or anything like that. We need fresh faces with new ideas, and when you look at so many people that have been, and this is GOP now, I, I'm talking about the GOP. I'm talking about Republicans here. We talk enough about the left and and their bullshit. So when we talk about the Republicans, the GOP, you would be shocked, and I've been doing the research on this, so many congressmen and women that have just been sitting around in districts, safely read districts, not doing a damn thing for decades, have zero social media platform, are not doing anything to help raise up the new generation, are not doing a damn thing, but holding on to power, raising money. And doing God knows what in the background to sort of shore themselves up. You know, they're, when you get deeper into the swamp, and like I said, watch that documentary. When you get deep, when you get really deep into the swamp and when you see how the swamp works, there are all sorts of ways to flip money and, and bring it back to themselves. And this is what they're all doing. They all do this left and right. And it's, it's, it's bullshit. It's bullshit. So there are so many Republicans that are just sitting in there in these safe seats, not doing a damn thing. And some of them need to be taken out as well. Because the future of conservatism or Republican, whatever you want to call it, the future is younger people. We have different perspectives, we have different ideas, and I'm not being ageist or anything, you guys tell me all the time, when you come through my social medias, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, at Rob Online, but when you re- respond to some of this stuff, you guys tell me how happy it makes you to see younger and fresher faces just coming up with different ideas. And particularly millennials, because I'm telling you guys, millennials have been through some shit, right? This is the generation of 9-11. This is the generation of Corona. This is the generation of the financial collapse of 2008. This is the generation of this insane amount of student loan debt. We have different solutions for America and we can articulate different solutions and visions in a way that can connect to younger people. But if Republicans in the GOP cannot see somebody like Kim Klasik staring them in the face and can't decide to elevate them, then what the hell are we doing? What are we doing putting time and energy and resources into, do you know, how much time i have to spend when i actually have conversations with people on the left you're always defending um you're always defending idiots you're always defending idiots you're defending people with, with bad ideas you're defending people that have this history of all this crap the reason why so many people don't want to come to the conservative republican side is because they have a branding problem republicans have a branding problem uh, and republicans have a poor track record with younger people, with people of color, with with gay people. And that is just facts, right? We deal with facts here. And so it was shocking to me to hear this story from Kim Klasik about how they have this woman who is smart, attractive, intelligent, well-spoken, everything that you want in a politician or a political candidate, and they can't even get behind her. It's a joke. And that stuff needs to start being called out. The future... Of this party, in the future of, of the GOP, the future of Republican conservatism is millennials, is younger people. And the reason that the Republican Party has the branding issues that it has is because it has ignored younger people. It has ignored millennials. It has ignored Gen Z. It has ignored black people. It has ignored Latino people. It has ignored gays and lesbians. It has ignored all of these people. So GOP, get it together because... Like I said, people like Kim Klasik, people like me, people like all of these young people, we are taking the power into our own hands and we are going to run with it. And we are going to do this with or without your support. And if the GOP doesn't get this, if they don't understand it, if they don't see it, if they don't start making moves to actually reach out to and embrace people like Kim Klasik, embrace people like Willie Montague, this young man that that's running in Florida 10, then they will lose elections. And you know what? They're going to deserve to lose them.